0: to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking, and I am your host, Philip Anthony, and thank you for choosing to join us today, and I'm hoping you're doing fantabulous. Are you doing fantabulous?
1: Oh, I'm doing great today. It's good to be on your podcast, uh, Philip. I know we've been uh, helping you out
0: with uh, some of these for the past few months. Now I get to be a guest on it. Now so you it's get to be a guest. It's going to be and fun. I am yeah. so honored to have you here. Thank you. Um, My special guest, more than special guest, is Brett Johnson, radio personality, announcer, podcaster, and wearer of many hats for AM950. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. And now I imagine our listeners would like to know a little bit about you and about your beginnings. So would you uh, explain to us or tell us where you were born and raised and... um, Went to school and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah. So I spent the early part of my childhood uh, growing up in the Los Angeles area. Well, I was about like seven oh, years old. yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Started out there, yeah, in California for a while, early childhood. Then uh, dad got a job back in Minnesota. So that's how I ended up here, probably when I was about like seven or eight years old. And then, if you fast forward a little bit, um, went to college at Augsburg University, uh, got a degree in accounting, of all things.
0: Accounting?
1: Yes, accounting, yeah. So you're
0: a numbers guy.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, I got that job right as uh, the Great Recession was uh, coming into play, 2008, the fall. Landed okay. a job just before then, but uh, unfortunately, as you know, the economy completely crashed during The that end time. of
0: Bush's term, I guess?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, coincidentally, right at the end of Bush's term, who would have think that he would have uh, <laughs> tanked the economy, but... uh <laughs>
0: Well, of course. Republicans never do that. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so I ended up getting uh, laid off from the firm that I was working at uh, immediately out of college. So in the meantime, what... Uh, What I was trying to do is to get my CPA, and what's kind of weird, at least back then, I'm not sure how it is now, is that you needed about an extra year of schooling to take the CPA exam, Mm -hmm. but the loophole I found is that it could be in literally any topic. It didn't have to be accounting, so I figured people have told me for years, you have a good radio voice, why don't you do something with that? So I thought all right, I'll get that extra year, however much it was, in radio school. So I went to Brown College and ended up really liking that and switching gears pretty much completely from there. So once I ended up leaving Brown, I uh, got a job at a small radio station in Iowa called KJAN, Atlantic, Iowa, about halfway between Omaha and Des Moines. Hosted an afternoon show there for a few years. That was more of kind of a, the way I would describe KJAN, it would be like WCCO if they played music as well. Very much, you know, like a small town information station. So,
0: you spun records too and stuff like that? Or?
1: Uh, fortunately, I was a little past the time where they were uh, spinning records and still having oh, to well, cut yeah, tape when it comes true. to audio. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, just like a few years after that, which it would have been a fun skill to learn, but also, as I've heard, incredibly annoying. Where, you know, right now, like you're r- recording on a digital recorder, you know, right, like right. 10, 15 years ago, you would have to actually use tape and try to manually cut it up with all sorts of tools and not very
0: fun so yeah, yeah. so if i was to look at your uh podcast your um what would you call that spotify is that way that people play music now yeah spotify apple
1: podcasts did Googles. you have any
0: any songs you want to listen to oh i didn't
1: listen- do any songs on or I uh, didn't make any music myself unfortunately no no but do you listen
0: to music now are you a, are you a... Oh yeah oh
1: I definitely listen to Spotify yeah yeah I oh. have my uh, Spotify playlists I like the random ones that they kind of create for you you know oh, normally do you? uh yeah you know if I hear an artist I like favorite them on there and then Spotify What genre
0: would you say I don't know I'm pretty open to
1: about anything yeah I like a lot of classic stuff too you know even going um trying to think Well, obviously, I'm a kid of the late 90s, early 2000s, so kind of that era as well. Oh,
0: okay. But yeah. Awesome. So uh, what event in your early years do you believe formulated your political beliefs that you have today? um, Because I would guess you're a little left of center, are you? Yeah, very
1: much so. Yeah, (laughs) left of center. So the way I got started in politics was that my uh, grandmother had been very active within the Republican Party. For years and years, she was uh, active, I think even going back to like the 1950s, and she was part of a different faction of Republicans that don't exist anymore. I would call them probably progressive Republicans, which sounds like a misnomer right now, but that was really a thing if you look at the tradition of like...
0: Like a moderate Republican. Yeah, like
1: Arnie Carlson or Dave Durenberger, former senator from Minnesota. Oh, not even Pawlenty, like Nelson Rockefeller. Oh,
0: that kind. Okay. Yeah,
1: that kind. Yeah. (laughs) So she was very active for years. She would be a delegate at just about every national convention. But things started to change, especially about the time uh, when Clinton came into office. She started getting a little disillusioned with the Republican Party, especially over the religious issues and also abortion. She was very much a pro-choice person. Oh. And then by the time Bush came into office, she had completely had it with the Republican Party and was done. And that was kind of about my time when I was eligible to vote and started paying attention to politics. I remember she would always call all of our her grandkids on election day saying, make sure you're going out to vote. Not necessarily saying who to vote for, but right, she right. was one of the people that got me kind of inspired uh, to get into politics as as one of the people. The other person that got me inspired to get into politics is a guy who's our current state senator, Steve Swazinski. He's in, I forgot the district number now with redistricting. I think he used to be 48, which is like Eden Prairie and Minnetonka. Okay. But uh, he was a high school government teacher at Eden Prairie High School where I went to school. And uh, my senior year, he was my government teacher. That was a class that we would take there. And... Um, He did a great job not only teaching how government works, how politics works. He did a great job at doing it from a nonpartisan perspective. Mm -hmm. Or one of the things I remember, he would ask everyone at the end of the year, if you think I'm a liberal, sit on this side of the classroom. If you think I'm a conservative, (laughs) sit on the other side. And generally, it would always be about 50-50 every year. Wow. Now, of course. Fast forward, we know he's obviously a Democrat now, who's serving in uh, the state senate. But he was one of the people that also got me inspired and really interested in the politics because he put kind of a human face on it and how it really impacts people in their everyday life. So I would say those two people are what really got me involved. Obviously, my grandmother, and then taking that uh, government class from Swazinski back in uh, back in high school. Was there any
0: issue um, that also catapulted you into, you know? Uh, your interest in politics, for example, like uh, I mean, for me, it was obviously LGBT rights. Mm-hmm. Being a gay man myself, um, I have friends that uh, always said it was abortion. Um, now I think, in my opinion, if I, if you were to ask me that question, if you're gonna if you're gonna turn it around, I would say, you know, democracy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. a big one for me. I mean. Because fascism is creeping up on us very slowly, and I I don't know if people get that, you know? And, Mm -hmm. I mean, does that, is that also a a factor for you?
1: Yeah, well, nowadays, of course, democracy is absolutely my biggest motivating factor, where I don't even care if you're a Republican or Democrat. If you're at least for democracy, it won't necessarily be all. Be all the way behind you like a Liz Cheney or someone like that, but I can at least respect that and think exactly. if you're going to lose. I'd rather have you lose to a Democrat than another crazy Republican <laughs> in a primary like what yeah. we just saw happen the other day with that person who beat her. But uh, for me, what got me uh, interested in politics – so again, this is back in like the early 2000s, early Bush era. Uh, A few things really got me into politics and really leaning more towards the progressive side rather than the conservative side. One, obviously the war, which was happening back then Mm -hmm. with the Iraq war. I was very much against that. Of course, as you're probably well familiar with, Bush was also one of the people who really started to embrace that religious right and that overreach of kind of forcing religious values on other people—I was definitely not into that as well. And then another issue that got me uh, into it as well is just the idea that we need universal health care and single-payer health insurance, because for me, I have a physical disability called arthrogryposis. I wear leg braces, and I know uh, it hasn't so much impacted me. But I know lots of friends who are also from the disabled community that have a lot of trouble being able to afford the health care and the health insurance that they need. So. Those are really the three main issues that got me into politics were just the idea of health care being against the war and then religious overreach that we saw from the right.
0: Yeah, and and, and Republicans really don't talk about health care at all. I mean, to them, it's a a non-issue. I mean, they actually wanted to get rid of, I mean, the little health care that we got from Obamacare. Which was a little drop in the bucket. I mean, it's better than nothing. I mean, Mm -hmm. they they can't throw you off your insurance now, you know, and you can, and if you're a 26 year old, you can, you know, still be on your parents' health care. Those are drops in the bucket. They even wanted to get rid of that. And that was a lifesaver for me, now that you bring up the fact that you could stay on your parents'
1: health insurance until you were 26, because that took effect just as I was about turning 26. And uh, okay, I'll be honest with you here, working small-town radio in Iowa doesn't exactly pay a ton of money, and you don't get benefits either. So that was super helpful to be able to stay on my parents' health insurance until I was 26 years old, so... Yeah, I don't. I forgot where we were going with that. Oh, yeah, you were talking about healthcare and the fact that Republicans largely don't care about it. And- it's not.
0: It's a well. I don't know if they don't care about it. Or it's not really an issue, right? It's not something they, because every time you, um, you bring up healthcare, they say, well, let's just. You know, ha- be able to take your insurance over state lines. I mean, that's their only answer I've ever heard, mm-hmm. you know, which to me, how is that going to really lower health care that much to the point where it's affordable for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just like having the government boogeyman out there.
1: I mean, you can uh, even go back to Reagan in the, he was even advocating against uh, Medicare in the 60s where he said, uh, well, liberal, I can't do a Ronald Reagan impression, but he essentially <laughs> was saying that. Well, people who are socialists, the first step they're going to have is to put government between you and your doctor, and obviously that scared a lot of people into thinking, "Oh, I don't want the government in my health care well, and they're the Republicans are
0: doing that now with abortion, they're, yeah they're, oh, they're exactly, getting between yeah. the doctor and the woman mm-hmm. so I yeah it's it's crazy anyway. so when did you become part of the a m nine fifty family, and how did you get the gig? Did it just come up or you yeah, meet it's, somebody uh, or
1: yeah, it's kinda of funny you mention that. So uh, at the time when I started working here, it was I think late two thousand fifteen, right around in that time. Or at that point I had moved back from Iowa. I was uh I had started my own business with a business partner of mine. We still do this occasionally where we're out like streaming different uh, events for amateur sports teams whether it's high school or college or you know we'll do like kind of TV style broadcasts. It's kind of a side note. So I was doing that as kind of a part-time gig as well as getting back into accounting and doing some contract work. So at that point back in 2015, uh, I had always been a fan of AM950, I think even going back to you know like the Bush years. And I saw that they had an open position for someone to be a board op on weekends. And I thought, oh, that would be a fun thing to do as kind of a hobby. So that's exactly what I did, applied for the job. And for about a year or two, I just was pretty much board oping on weekends, making, maybe working once or twice every month or so. Were
0: you like an apprentice at the beginning?
1: It was just someone, uh, not necessarily an apprentice, just very part-time person where, you know, we sometimes, here at AM 950, have live shows that run on the weekends. Okay. So we'll bring in a producer that will run the board and everything for them. So, oh, okay. Yeah, that's how I got into at least working for AM 950. And then... Uh, about a year or two later, after I had started there, there was some staff turnover at the station where they were then looking for a full time person, and uh, pretty much that's how I fell into the job. Where it was originally just something that was going to be a hobby, and then once uh, Chad called me up and said, "Hey, we're looking for a full time person." At this point, I decided to take the job and step out of accounting.
0: Do you enjoy um, <clears throat> being in front, um, in, in, on, you know, on the air more or behind the scenes more? What's that? What's your what's your Bailey Is that? the word
1: basically. i think oh we'll go with that yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah what's uh, your
1: jam <laughs> it's actually much more behind the scenes even though i i can certainly host you know uh when i can and i i enjoy being behind the mic occasionally really i'm a behind the scenes type of guy and that even goes to my uh background running my own business right now where i'm out streaming stuff where i'm running stuff in the background i usually bring in like contract announcers and that type of thing i I've always been a behind-the-scenes person. I love the technology part of it, seeing how things work. And, you know, uh, if you give me a challenge saying, hey, we want video of something, I'll try to find a way to make it work. So that's really where I think my passion is when it comes at least to uh, my work in the broadcasting business is that I can do some stuff in front of the mic or camera, but I, I'm mostly kind of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy yeah. Right. I really uh, like
0: doing. Well, I'm just, with this podcast, it's kind of like um, being a fledgling podcaster. I'm learning the techno- technological mm-hmm. aspects of the job because there are a lot of things. I mean, I mean, we, you and I have been. Uh, se- I've been sending you a lot of my podcasts so that right. you can post them. And at the beginning, I didn't even know how to combine files and and put them as as an MP4. So you've been really instrumental in helping with that. So thank you with that. And um, uh, because I'm, you know, I thought you just basically record. The, the show and it's done you know it's not only it were easy. that easy right it was only that easy yep <laughs> um so getting back to the uh you know on the air stuff that you've done mm-hmm. um who was the most memorable memorable i can't say that word memorable person you interviewed and in while um while you were here at am 950 and why like what? oh
1: man i gotta think back to some of the people i've interviewed because you've the interviewed years.
0: quite a few people yeah uh, i, I
1: it's at least been a good three years total of me interviewing people.
0: I'm trying to think. Um, Was you know, it a politician? Was it a, a Yeah, definitely the
1: politicians. Uh, Swazinski, who I mentioned earlier, I've interviewed mm-hmm. him a few times. That's someone I've enjoyed speaking to. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. Um, a few years ago, actually, I did have a chance to interview Dave Durenberger about his uh, book, When Republicans Were Progressive. Uh, I'm trying to think when this was. Yeah, this was when I think he first released the book a number of years ago, and I enjoyed talking with him kind of about the history of the of the Republican Party and how it did kind of morph, especially like when Goldwater, you know, back in 64 came to prominence, mm-hmm. really started to move that party to the right from its very moderate beginnings that, were well, not moderate beginnings, but at least moderate, you know, roots that it had, you know, back in the 50s and 40s and how it really started drifting to the right and outside of the mainstream.
0: Uh-huh. do you think do you think uh, Gingrich was um oh, yes a, a major um catalyst in changing the party and I would moving th- it to the right more
1: I would say so probably Newt- even <laughs> yeah probably even more so than Ronald Reagan I think oh, New absolutely. Gingrich absolutely I mean he was the first guy that came in well maybe not the first person who said we need to win at all costs and convincing people that if someone's not in your political party they're your enemy
0: yeah, they're oh, not yeah. a
1: political adversary yep. they're your enemy and they need to be destroyed and yeah, he was obviously someone who was ahead of his time when he knew how to work the media, work talk radio. Even, even, uh, uh, I read a book a few years ago about how, like, he even took advantage of being on C SPAN in the 80s and just, you know, getting people fired up. So I, I'm absolutely with you that. Yeah. yeah he was he, really I, the I, fire I,
0: Well, in my opinion, you know, and opinions are, you know, personal, but I think he was very damaging to the to the country because he, oh, yeah. he made politics evil like mm-hmm. like kill that per- like almost like right. you know stop that person at any cost um, regardless of you know if you don't agree with them you have to make them your enemy you know, mm-hmm. like you said. And um, and that to me is dangerous. And I think we, you know, I, I think Ronald, uh, not Ronald Reagan, but uh, uh, Donald Trump really pushed it to the to the nth degree now. I mean, because now he's just bringing Newt, making Newt Gingrich look like a, you know, like a fairy godmother, you know, it's like...
1: And the uh, thing that's so frustrating about people like Newt Gingrich and Donald Trump is that they don't even necessarily have real political positions. Like, Mm -hmm. um, as you were going back and talking about who was the favorite person you interviewed, actually just uh, jogged my memory and uh, brought up a guy I interviewed named Julian Zelizer. He's a uh, political writer who uh, wrote a book specifically about the rise of Newt Gingrich and how he kind of led to, well, the rise of Donald Trump. And if you look at the real early history of Newt Gingrich, he was not that much of a far-right person. He was very much in favor of, like, environmental protections... I wouldn't necessarily say he was a moderate, but he was certainly right. not an extremist. And then, yeah, when he gets in that mode of, well, now we just need to win at all costs, that's what it seems to be. Is not so much that he really believes in any of these causes, and I would put Trump in this same category. It's just all about winning, winning, right. winning. And yeah. Trump is the same way, where, you know, I think <laughs> I saw this a few weeks ago when that abortion ruling first came down. I think he... Uh, One of the publications I looked at said, well, Donald Trump thinks this will be privately a disaster for Republicans, and he was probably right about that. And in fact, I think if you look at his history, he's probably really a pro-choice person when you boil down
0: to it. But But he's instrumental in why it's happening, because he appointed those three judges that Mm -hmm. he said, well, that's my litmus test to judges on the Supreme Court. And soon enough, you know, we have these three people who um, literally overlooked precedent and said, oh, it doesn't matter what two other courts said, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, And so I'm going to just do, you know, we're going to do what we want because we're, you know, a religious right bunch of people on the Supreme Court. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, the fact that Merrick Garland, who was supposed to be on the Supreme Court, was overlooked by um, – uh, what's his name? Senator um O'Connell. Oh, yeah. Oh, good old Mitch, yeah. <laughs> good old Mitch. We love Mitch. Um I'm being facetious. Yeah, always <laughs>
1: sounds like he's eating whenever he talks, you know, like his mouth
0: is full. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's he, he mumbles. He yeah, does yeah. speak <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Um he turned around and just disregarded what the president at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Obama said. You know, I want this guy, this is you know, give him a hearing. They didn't even give him a hearing. And they said, "Oh, it's because it's, you know, too close to the election." Well, then, when when Amy Coney Barrett was, uh, it was literally like a month before the election they they chose. So the, it's, there's all this lying and deceitfulness, and uh, that's why we have, you know, a, a abortion was overturned because of three people that were, you know, uh, religious fundamentalists. If you ask me, I'm, you know, and, and she's like, isn't she in some court, sort of a cult? Not, not. It's not even a. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she had some—I uh, What's, what's I can't think of the name yeah, of the I society either.
1: that she was a uh, part well, of for a while, but correct. it definitely had some uh, very right-wing uh, views and uh, kind of Handmaid's Tale kind of things, too. Yes,
0: yeah, that's or what I like heard. Women yeah, yeah.
1: need their traditional roles. Yeah, that's what she it's was— It's not a
0: traditional—she's not a traditional Catholic from what I was mm-hmm. reading. She's like, like this extreme, you know— Whatever, like you said.
1: Well, as long as you say you're gonna overturn Roe versus Wade, I don't think they care. They'll say, "We'll put you on the court anyway." Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, along with your duties as radio host and podcaster, you also are an announcer. Mm -hmm. Because when I, like, was telling you before we started, when I'm driving in my car, I always hear you say, "Oh, today's weather is," you know, and um, uh, 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 you sound like, like an amazing like (laughs) announcer you have this great voice um and you give the listeners the weather reports and all the other things shows that are coming up and Etc. Does that take just as much preparation as your other duties take, or do you do this pre-recorded or explain to the listeners? Yeah, right? so
1: that those weather forecasts uh, that you hear are pre-recorded. So yeah, I'm not actually doing those live. That would uh, <laughs> that would be quite a bit of time if I was. But uh, so how do you?
0: So let, let's just suppose today it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. Okay, how, how does how do you do that? Like, do you record that uh, in the morning at home or? Explain to the listeners. Yes, right. so we do
1: record those in the morning, or sometimes even before we leave, if the weather looks pretty predictable, we'll just record the next day's weather until the next producer is in. Oh, so that's kind of a yeah, how it works. And then uh, yeah, the the biggest challenge on those weather sometimes is getting those recorded in time, so then you can fit the sponsorship angle at the end as well. right oh, right, right. Yeah. Because really. I
0: always thought like maybe you did like um you have like a file that says okay thunderstorm today. Oh <laughs> just, yeah, and you <laughs> recorded that like. Ten years ago, or something, oh, right. <laughs> and then you just push that button. And it, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, but no, no, we do
1: read them live, or not necessarily live, but like as the weather forecast comes in. Yeah, then we do uh, just record those uh, voiceovers manually. So. And those
0: old ones are just discarded I guess. Yep, they yeah they just get discarded into the uh so there's no files that you use that you repeat no you know? no not necessarily that's not. what I thought but what do I know you know
1: no no it's a it's a good quote you're not the first person to ask about that oh really because, yeah okay. you think like oh yeah I hear you doing weathers all the time you're the weather guy on there how does that work no so I'm glad you asked about that because you're you're certainly not the first one to yeah I'm sure the curiosity listeners are curious yeah, yeah. about that yeah. Yeah, absolutely
0: and um, what other preparation do you do for um, like if you, I'm sure you announce shows that are coming up and things like that so, is that what kind of preparation do you do for that, or is it pre-recorded as well? Um, so uh, if
1: we're talking like our some of our weekend shows that come on, um, yeah, they'll come in usually during the week. We have a few that do lot their shows live, but they'll mostly come in um, at various times throughout the week and pre-record their shows ahead of time. And we'll be on the other side of the glass. Well, it doesn't really work since we're on a podcast without video, but they're yeah, on yeah. the other side of the glass uh-huh. where uh, I'm in there producing, running their bumper music, adjusting their microphone levels, and then getting everything uh, edited for to uh, go over the airwaves. So oh, that's okay. kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. We do for uh, some of our other. You're pro- just
0: like doing everything, basically. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> wearer of many hats was accurate when you
0: said yeah, that at the beginning. Well, yes. the, that's it's totally accurate. Exactly. Um, uh, so you've done a few podcasts as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with Patrick Coolican, especially. Um, I think it was called the FYI Politics. Is that
1: business? Yeah, yeah. So I did a show for about a year. Uh, during 2020, I hosted a weekday show here on AM 950. Yeah, called FYI Politics with Brett Johnson, where I was uh, – it was a comment not too different from years where about half of it was interviews and half of it was kind of talking head as well, just analyzing the news of the day or whatever else was happening. And uh, as you mentioned, Patrick Kulikan was one of the frequent guests that I had yes. on the show. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar, he is the editor-in-chief of a publication called The Minnesota Reformer. It's a great news publication that really covers news uh, that you sometimes don't hear from mainstream publications, whether it's radio, TV, or even print media or at least covering issues from a different angle. Like if you've been following a lot of the police misconduct that's been happening in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. a lot of those stories were broken by the Minnesota reformer, not like the mainstream print or radio or TV publications that you'll see in town. So,
0: Oh, I didn't going, know that. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So going back to what we were talking about, uh, yeah, so Patrick started that publication I think right about the time I started the podcast. I happen to, I think, just see it in uh, one of the you know industry emails I subscribe to, saying, "Hey, there's this new news publication starting in Minnesota." I better check this thing out because, unfortunately, a lot of our news sources are uh, going by the wayside, especially locally one or locally based ones now. So that, well, let's check out what these guys are all about. I enjoyed reading what they were writing and emailed patrick and said hey would you be willing to come on for i think we started it as maybe like a monthly interview but then you know that's how
0: easy it was just to get him to come on wow that's great yeah yeah you just Just emailed him and you said yeah just kind of be on the show yeah yeah
1: like to promote The Reformer, some of the news articles you guys are working on, and you know, if you want to shoot me every week, you know, or at that point every month, you know, three or four big articles that you guys are working on, we can certainly talk through those, get those promoted, and hopefully make sure people are subscribing to The Minnesota Reformer and supporting it. So, yeah, we started it off just doing it as a monthly interview, then it became a weekly interview with Patrick, and uh, even though I don't do FYI politics with Brett Johnson anymore, it's still a part of the Matt McNeil show, which I help out with, where I'll still talk to Pat every uh tuesdays
0: at about four thirty 30 p.m mm-hmm. that's interesting i never knew that i thought you well see this is why we have podcasts so people learn mm-hmm. i always thought that you were his friend or something that you just decided oh let's just get together and do this but uh you just reached out to him and he was mm-hmm. kind enough to uh respond and do that's amazing yeah,
1: absolutely, and I think yeah, I, I had interviewed lots of other journalists in town, so maybe there's like some sort of a, <laughs> you know, consortium of journalists where. Well, I how had, I got
0: started yeah. with this was I met you, right, right, and Chad, and I believe also Matt at the Blue State Ball many years ago. Yes, yeah, um, I remember that too. Yeah, yeah, we used to, and I used to go yearly, and um, I enjoyed it. I think it's great. I mean, it's a great way for. Fellow liberals, oh, I hate that word liberal. <laughs> Progressives, <laughs> I guess, is the new term, right? What do you, what do we use now? Progressive liberal. I like liberal. my well. I'm sixty-two, so we said liberal back in the yeah, day. Yeah, that though.
1: got turned into a dirty word for a while. Yeah, thankfully, right? it's coming back. I at least think. Yeah, yeah,
0: what's wrong with liberal? Liberal means you believe in liberty. <laughs> yeah, I remember
1: when they used to say Paul Wellstone was too liberal for Minnesota back in those campaign commercials. Fortunately, yeah, no one says that now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. It's I like either one. Yeah. either one is fine with me absolutely but, yeah. but the blue state ball you know are they are we going to keep doing that or are you yeah that hear? should
1: be coming back um i'll tell you well I'll, I'll give you a couple inside scoops here on the uh on your podcast so oh, you will yeah okay. yeah we should have the blue state ball coming back maybe this year i'm hoping so well 2023 that would be but we'll we'll we're working on another event that'll be taking place this fall as well maybe uh october right around there oh. which i think a lot of our listeners will enjoy so uh stay tuned on that point we'll yeah, okay. we'll be getting back to in-person gatherings since i think the last one we did was just before covid i think you were there at the brewery for the blue state ball yes yeah mm-hmm. just a few weeks before everything shut down wasn't that yes. long? like two weeks i think it was late february yeah
0: yeah, yeah you have a good memory yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i do re- that's how many years ago was that now three unbelievable yeah just about three. Oh my goodness just that wow. one year, um, that COVID year, I call it the COVID year. It was, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's like a blur. It really is. It's like, what did I do? I stayed home, I, I made cakes, <laughs> I, I learned how to bake. <laughs> what did I do? I don't know. Oh, I learned to cook. Yeah. Um, My husband um, picked up some... Hobbies. So, because it, it, it was a very lonely time, too. Because I oh, was, yeah. Like, aren't we very social people as human beings? And to be isolated is not normal,
1: right? No, no. Yeah. It takes your toll on just about anyone. Yeah. So, for me, I, I did a lot of biking during the pandemic, at least when it was warm outside, because mm-hmm. as you said, you can't really have many big gatherings with friends or families at that point. So,
0: yeah, that's why the Blue State Ball to me is such a great idea because maybe it can reunite our community. Mm-hmm. Our, uh, You know, our progressive community and, you know, connect again with mm-hmm. people because cause how I met you, you know, and how I met Chad and how I met everybody else. And, you know, I, I even go back to Norman Goldman. I mean, that's how oh, yeah, so yeah, many yeah, years Norman, ago I yeah. was going there. And um, who else was there at that time? Um, well, you might have been going to the Blue State Ball before I even worked here then. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think the first time I went, you were there, so it may have been yeah that second year I went. Yeah,
1: like sixteen or seventeen might have been my first year going to that. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right; we do need to get back to doing those in-person events again, and yeah, get that. Because I
0: have a picture with me and him, um, him and I, I should say. Um, And so yeah, that must have been what year was that when he was around? I can't even.
1: I think he ended his show in. uh, It was just before the 2020 cycle. Okay, I think right. maybe 2019, right around there. Okay, I could be off on that,
0: but again, to bring, you know, yeah. to keep, to reiterate, I think it's the most wonderful thing because you can you dance, you have a glass of wine or beer, right. and you schmooze and you learn about you know, um, and if it wasn't for that that connection, uh, that venue where we met, uh, I probably wouldn't even be doing this right now because um, you know I got the the seed planted in my brain when I, you know, I got interviewed by another podcaster. And then when I spoke to Chad, he, you know, was talking about podcasting and maybe this is a good you know, thing to do for the future. And so, yeah, so uh, bring back the blue staple. I know what I
1: love about that too, is that yeah. we get a lot of politicians out there too, that are just yes. mingling around the floor. Like I remember, uh, one of the years I was there, I think I happened to bump into someone, didn't think much around, didn't think much of it but then I turned around oh yeah that was tim walls that i bumped into Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my Just goodness. accidentally, you know, walking <laughs> through, like, oh yeah, he's just kind of hanging around the ballroom oh, floor. that's great. Yeah. Same with Amy Klobuchar too. Yeah, just like, oh yeah, I'll get a photo with you. Oh
0: sure, absolutely. I so, met Tom Hartman at a Blue yeah. Tom State Hartman's
1: ball. obviously yeah. Gonna um, is, at lot, is at a lot of those. Yeah. Hopefully um, we'll be getting him back next year. W- at the Blue what was stable. his
0: name that was uh, that Stauber uh, when he stopped running? Oh, so, Rick Nolan. Yeah. Rick Nolan. What a nice man. Yeah. I absolutely. Met him. Yeah. I really miss him having that. Uh, being. You know an what? Eighth. We lost that seat because. Uh, um, I, I I wish he could. He had he had family issues. I think from what I remember him telling me, um, but he was such a great representative for that. And we're called the you know, the uh, DFL for a reason. You know, the Farm Labor Party, and mm-hmm. and how they the people up there started to gravitate away from us i don't that's another issue unto itself but that's anyway a,
1: that's about a podcast series not just an episode <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we need another that, hour yeah, to do no that. Kidding, yeah.
0: Uh, anyway um do you have any further aspirations to move beyond radio and maybe even run for political office why or why not
1: probably not for political office i would think um i don't know it's just something that uh at least in this day and age it's so exhausting to run for political office even at the state legislative level or you know at least as of even probably 10 years ago you could generally run with a lot of outside money coming into your campaign but that's completely changed now where running for even the state legislature is similar to running for congress where you have to raise bundles of money and uh at least for me uh Hey, I'm more of an introverted person, so I wouldn't be the biggest fan of having to go and door knock, uh, uh, you know, around uh, different places. But I think the other thing too is that what I've heard is that uh, when you run for political office, you got to spend a lot of time fundraising, more than you probably think, which uh, wouldn't be appealing to me. So, uh, anyone who runs for political office, uh, either party, of course, mostly Democrats, although I'll be happy with some Republicans if they're actually running for the right reasons and not just to kiss up to Donald Trump. But uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have respect for anyone who runs for office, just seeing how much work you have to put into that, and then uh, also the amount of time you have to spend fundraising rather than probably doing what you intended to do, which is, you know, out talking to constituents and trying to get your message
0: out. Yeah, yeah. But what not it sad, though, when you think about it, that you have to be a personality? You have to have, you know, like like be an entertainer to be a politician i mean why why not just be smart why right. not know what you're doing and you know what i mean i mm. mean what happens to the good old days of just having a good <laughs> old smart president you know like fdr or or uh, you know uh, you know lbj you know i love those three letter presidents they were good mm. <laughs> um
1: but yeah djt you know, doesn't work Donald J. Trump. Ugh, no, no, no. yeah. No. Those initials don't even work. No, anyways. I don't.
0: I have other names for him, but we, we don't. Yeah, I, I could
1: think of other initials
0: for him yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, but I mean, why do you have to be a TV personality, or do you, you know, like Ronald Reagan was an actor, you know. Right. Or Donald Trump was uh, whatever he was. Uh, 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 <laughs> what, do you, what what would you call him? Uh, 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 he just knew how to work the media. Y- yeah. Essentially. But he did have a show. Um, oh, I guess
1: The Apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, The Apprentice. Yeah. And he has about a cameo in about 100 movies, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Home Alone, wasn't it? Home Alone. Home
1: Alone yeah, he's yeah. been in a ton of them. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But see, the thing is, I don't, even Sonny Bono, you know, he went into politics oh, because right. so he I was a famous yeah. person. Why can't we just have have a smart person run for office somebody that has brains they may not have may not you know be funny or entertaining but they they can they can right the ship mm-hmm. what do you think of that
1: <laughs> i think you're right with that and i don't know if there was a way in an idealist world it would be nice to uh, have a way where we could make it so uh, politics wasn't something where you're automatically going to become a rich person if you go into politics mm-hmm. if you uh, had to stay as a middle class person or even a you know, not middle class person, not necessarily an upper class person, I think that would certainly help. Because yeah, I think yeah. it. you know, when, you're, when you run for office and you eventually win, you'll probably end up with a good, you know, lobbying gig once you leave. So I think there's a lot of people that just are obviously uh, in it for the money, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, if we could separate money from politics in an idealist world, that would probably help towards getting well, people who that... are actually smart running for office. Because as you said right now, it's all about celebrity and people who – know how to work a crowd.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's really unfortunate. You're I mean, right. because I remember we had presidents like uh, what was his name? Um uh, Jimmy Carter, for right. example, who I mean, he was as boring as a, a, as the, as could be, <laughs> you know, but but I I thought he was a good man. He had a good heart. Look, he's probably the most important uh, effective uh, pe- uh, post president uh, that we've ever had. I mean, look what he does for the you know, Habitat for the Humanities, um, helping these people build homes in poor countries. Um, he still teaches Sunday school. You know, I mean, he's a good, he's a good hearted man, but he wasn't vivacious or like Ronald Reagan, right. you know, and and I guess that, and then, you know, the, uh, uh the economic situation at that time didn't help him either, you know, with inflation. But his inflation was 10 times worse than this no, is. It
1: didn't help either with Reagan kind of uh, screwing him over in uh, 1980 when he was negotiating with the uh, Iranians behind his back. Yes. Yeah, I think that was a – that yeah. didn't help him either. No, I think
0: he actually sat down with um, – I think it was Menachem Begin, wasn't it? And, and Sadat, if I'm not mistaken, the, the – the, The heads of both Israel and Egypt, and got them to make peace with each other, Mm -hmm. and that was shocking to me. uh, That a president would be able to accomplish Mm -hmm. that—that would be like us trying to get the Palestinians and the Israelis to, you know, Mm -hmm. sit down and make peace. That was a big thing back then, you know. But he wasn't—he wasn't an entertainer. He wasn't uh, funny. He was just a regular guy Mm -hmm. who. Had, had good intentions.
1: Yeah, it's too bad we don't have presidents like that anymore yeah, that don't yeah. desire the office. You know, Early days, yeah, kind of really... like even George Washington didn't want the office. He had to kind of be begged to run for president, and some of the early ones were like that too. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess Jimmy Carter was kind of the exception to the rule because most people that run for office are doing it because they very much want to be president, not because they have some patriotic duty.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's just hope that people... You know, whoever the candidate's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be President Biden or um, uh, Vice President Harris, uh, Pete Buttigieg, whoever they're going to pick, I don't know. Um, A lot of people are saying um, the governor of California maybe. Oh, Newsom. Newsom. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But um, I I think it all depends on what – what the atmosphere is at the time, whether it's, you know, Biden is popular because right now he's still kind of hovering in the, what is he, in the low th- low 40s? Yeah, right around. Th-
1: unfortunately, yeah, still in those low 40s, I think. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I'd, I'd take a paperclip at this point, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> rather than Trump, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I would at least,
1: uh, <laughs> my minimum requirement for being president, do you believe whoever gets the most votes should <laughs> be should the winner win of the president? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes yeah. or no, unfortunately, many Republicans would answer no to that question. So if you had
0: a paperclip or or Donald Trump, you take the paperclip, basically. Yeah,
1: if the paperclip believed whoever got the most <laughs> votes should win <laughs> i would go with the paper clip
0: exactly anyway so now we've come to the part of the show i like to call the shift with an f shift uh where we shift the questioning away from our guest's occupation and his expertise and we move on to his opinion of current events. Ah. Are you good Let's with do that? it. Let's do it, yeah. Let's go for that. Okay. Now, I, uh, normally I like to, we, we do like national things, but I want to, since you're a Minnesotan like I am, we'll start with local politics. How's that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. If, heaven forbid, govern, Governor Walz's opponent wins the election in November.
1: Oh, you're, you're giving me a nightmare
0: scenario know, I'm here to kick I'm shaking us off. already,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Other than his promise to ban abortion in Minnesota can you list some other dangerous consequences that would result should he prevail well, what uh, else do you think he would promote or do um,
1: Scott Jensen is a guy that Scott I would, Jensen. Yeah, yeah I would not be happy with uh, running or uh, winning the governor's mansion because uh, here's an interesting story about um, Scott Jensen. I don't know if you remember a guy named Hunter Haas, who used to work for AM950 a while back. Yes. He actually uh, had an interview with Scott Jensen on AM950 as soon as, I think, like maybe even four or five years ago. Not that long ago. And at that point, Scott Jensen was actually a very reasonable and moderate Republican who had some good stances on trying to make insulin affordable, was even somewhat friendly to the idea of you know not being completely anti-LGBTQ rights. But I think what's happened to him over the years, especially during the Trump era, is that you have someone who is just thirsting for power and will essentially do anything to get into that office. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm guessing about him. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so that's what would really make me fearful of uh, having someone like that in office is that you're bringing someone in that really doesn't have any values. They're just there to win. Even though if you look at the actual policy positions of how Scott Jensen used to be, he's not that bad of a politician. But now all of a sudden, as he's trying to run to the far right and, as you said, wants to ban abortion, of course, was uh, pushing some quack theories about how to combat COVID. I mean, that's, to me, the type of person who will say or do anything to be elected to office. And, yeah, that's. Not someone that we should probably have in the governor's mansion, especially because I even remember when I hosted FYI Politics, I would bring up, oh yeah, Scott Jensen, one of the more reasonable Republicans we have in the legislature. And now that's not true at all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you watch that little debate he had with um, Governor Walls? um, uh, uh, Where was it again? I think Um, it was Farm Fest. The Farm Fest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did you. Take a gander at that <laughs> I didn't get a chance To watch any of
1: it uh, We had a guy Who was good. filling in uh... do Oh good Okay Fortunately I go with What our guest host <laughs> oh, Todd Mickelson was, was talking s- about With that at that time Yeah You
0: would You would You would definitely Need to have a few drinks After you watch that Oh baby. really Okay Really Yeah Scary It's just basically Like you said He's He's Very ambitious He He's gonna Good way to describe it. Yeah try Ambitious Try anything he can To win And um, Yeah Yeah <laughs> Anyway, so um, as you know, the biggest news story of today by far, is the FBI searching the former president's residence in Florida. Now we're going on national news, obviously, because we, right. we, we, we just tackled that last thing. Um, how do you feel that the party of so-called law, law and order? see in New York, we say law, and now I have to say <laughs> law, you know, law and order. Is demonizing the FBI and wanting to defund them is now. Remember the the GOP is supposed to be the party of law and order. You mm-hmm. know they didn't want to defund the police and all this stuff, but now they want to defund the FBI, which is basically the, the the entity that will protect this country mm-hmm. from any espionage, any you know terrorism or anything what do you feel about that what is your opinion
1: Well, with Republicans wanting to say defund the FBI, I say keep going with that campaign slogan because- uh, That's not working. Because unfortunately, uh, we saw how that defund the police slogan ended up hurting Democrats down ballot in 2020, even though a lot of Democrats weren't necessarily for defunding the police. Republicans were still able to take clips out of context. Well, Brett,
0: I I, I hate to interrupt you, but I think the problem is Democrats don't know how to- verbalize what they right. want. They use these stupid terms like defund. What what would have been better would have been, say, improve the police. That's a great idea. You know, I think I spent the, the show with that. Uh, the word improve sounds better than defund, doesn't it? I wish you would have called NWAC when I hosted <laughs> the show.
1: I think we did a whole episode on, like, what's a better oh, <laughs> what's a did? better way to describe defund the police. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah, improve. We them. had some good ones, but I like improve the police, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, make them a, 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 a better entity where they can help the community at – um in a psychological way you know having more uh, social workers help them out and because the fund kind of says you want to take the money out and let them die you know let yeah. let the whole you know the whole thing go to go to go to pot but we don't want that we obviously we want police you know if somebody's robbing your house you want to call somebody so yeah so i think we have to learn how to put into words what we mean
1: Dems, I think, are getting a little better at that when at least someone says, are you for defunding the police? They're at least saying immediately no. No. Yeah, and they're at least kind of getting into what you're talking about, saying here's how we need to improve the police. i got to start saying that now. Improve, improve.
0: the police and uh, but let the Republicans say they want to defund the FBI. Yeah,
1: I don't think we're going to be hearing Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, you know, I want to improve the FBI. <laughs> no. <laughs> or Matt Gates or anyone else. No, so I no, would say, no, no, uh, no. you know, uh, it's a horrible thing to say, but from the uh, – political perspective of hopefully uh, thinking that maybe it will get Republicans not elected. I say keep saying that Republicans defund the FBI. Yeah. And
0: the thing is with Hillary Clinton with with her emails, she just mishandled them. She used the, the wrong server. She didn't take documents home.
1: I don't think she had classified the, nuclear documents. Top either. secret. Yeah.
0: Supposedly you're right, I'm hearing their nuclear documents um I mean, if they get in the hands of the wrong people, this is very dangerous for our country. And knowing
1: a grifter like Trump, he probably was going to sell it to sell the highest bidder. to emitter. make money, yeah. Or the other thing, I think, too, is that he's such a show-off-y kind of guy. He would say, you won't believe the nuclear programs we have in the United States. You don't believe me? Let me show you what I got. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Because he it really can't is. keep his big mouth shut.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, not uh-huh. even
1: necessarily selling. I could see if he has some foreign diplomat or president there thinking, well, you well, you you don't think our nuclear weapons are good? Let me show you what we have. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll just show you the nuclear codes while I'm at it. Yeah. But the
0: elephant in the room, Brett, is why did he have to take them home with him? Like – like, what's the purpose of that? I mean, right? He's <laughs> above the law, and he well, probably wants a trophy. Yeah, saying, look, well, look at all these documents I that a lot have. to do or, with it. Or yeah.
1: maybe the scary one, as we brought up, he wanted to sell them, too. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe. he's got something that he was hiding there, too. That, yeah,
0: you know, I think that's probably why they took... Uh, his passport, because they probably thought he was a flight risk.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you called in the other day to the uh, Matt McNeil show. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah, Yeah, he's a flight risk. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's a flight risk. I
0: said, no, I think I said to Matt, I said, I have two words uh, uh, about uh, what happened in in Mar-a-Lago. Flight risk. Yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, the only reason I could think of is maybe at the time, they thought he was going to take those documents and maybe bring them overseas to his friend, uh vladimir who uh probably would like to see them right
1: yeah here's another thing too he said my passports were stolen who has more than one passport yeah, what is that about i mean i i would think a united states passport would be all you need so that's kind of weird too
0: what, what yeah did, did anybody ever follow up question I- yeah. questioning him about what he meant by the plural form of passport yeah Maybe he has a, maybe he has a Russian passport too, <laughs> who knows? Cayman I, Islands where he's hiding money, yeah, who knows? Cayman. yeah, exactly. Um, so what's your reaction? Well, obviously the other big news story that I want to bring up today is, uh, what is your reaction to Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney losing her primary to a Trump-backed candidate? And why do you think many Americans aren't afraid of the country becoming a fascist autocracy?
1: Oh, I think as long as uh, you you have social media keeping people in their echo chamber, probably why people aren't necessarily fearful of that, even though they're yeah voting for very, as you said, fascist candidates who, if they're not fascist, they're certainly kind of cosplaying as being fascists and pretending to be one, which is still awfully dangerous. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to Liz Cheney, I don't think she's necessarily sad about losing. I think she's trying to position herself for beyond 2024. She might run in 24, obviously won't beat Trump in the primary, but well I she'll could, bring
0: him down a few pegs though. Bring him down a few
1: pegs and I think try to set herself up for being the post-Republican Trump. Mm. Not necessarily being another Donald Trump, but like the future Republican when he's gone because Trump does not look like he's in necessarily the best of health and and I I'm hoping I'm right when I say this that if the next two elections, 22 and 24, don't go well for Republicans, that maybe they'll start to move away from him a little bit. I think I heard someone say once about the Republican Party right now: half of them would follow Donald Trump off a cliff, and the other half would push him off, but they're just too scared to.
0: Yeah, but you know, Brett, this is—I don't. Nobody's really talking about this, and I'm, this wasn't a prepared question, but I—I I, I just want to get your input. Um. So Donald Trump is a person. Mm -hmm. Trumpism is an idea. And if you eliminate Trump, the Trumpism is still going to be there. Mm. You got DeSantis. You have um, Hawley. You have all these other scary human beings who who believe in Trumpism. So even if you get rid of... The you know the cancer you're still going to have some of it spreading anyway um, throughout our uh, you know uh, our um, our governance and I'm scared that you know somebody that's more palatable if they want to use that term like DeSantis or Hawley even though they're not palatable mm-hmm. to me but could could win and then you get those issue th- those um, you know, like anti-abortion and all these other policies passed anyway. Mm-hmm. Build the wall, throw out the Muslims. Um, you know, all these awful things. You know, stop gay people from marrying. Um, uh, uh, you know, stop uh, birth control. You know, people being able to get birth control. Da- all the way down the down the line. What you, what is your opinion of that? What do you think of that idea?
1: I think at least uh, we're, we're getting more politically activated on the progressive side, where I think they would still be just as fearful as uh, of someone like DeSantis or whoever else might take on the Republican mantle. Because I think you're right that Trumpism is going to live on, yes. even if he's gone. But I think at least enough people are fearful of Trumpism now and seeing what it brings that people still might stay engaged, especially with the abortion issue. I think that's one that until it gets solved and at least uh, – the overturning of roe versus wade gets overturned yet again and reinstated i think that's going to be an issue that's going to motivate people for a long long time it may not have a huge mm-hmm. impact it might in 2022 but i think that's an issue that's going to just continue to to be in the front of our minds politically so i'm at least hopeful that you know an issue like that will keep people engaged in we'll and not just trump but trumpism we
0: we'll look at kansas yeah I mean, God! I mean, you're not you're not talking about Vermont. You're talking about Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, I didn't expect that. Believe it. that's the biggest shock to the system mm-hmm. that I ever experienced in, in recent years. That a state like Kansas, which you would think that you know they're all Republicans, they're probably all you know anti-abortion, um, they voted in such lo- almost sixty percent of the populace wanted to keep abortion legal crazy right
1: yeah yeah in <laughs> Kansas but I think yeah there's people who uh if you frame it as a health care issue or it's a health it well it
0: is a health care yeah issue, it will, you know. absolutely
1: agree with you there that's what I think we're I think get... we
0: kind of stop talking about it like see this is what I mean about words mm-hmm. you know the Democrats don't use the proper words what we should say is abortion health care or abortion yeah. care mm-hmm. or women's care or you know I can't think of a word off the top of my head, but something like that rather than just the word abortion. Yeah. Because I think that's become a taboo word, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Anyway, uh, so finally, even though President Biden has the slimmest of majorities in the Senate, he was able to pass into law in no particular order. I'm going to list all these things for the people who say he's doing a horrible job. You know, I just want to clear the record here. Um, The American Rescue Plan. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, Juneteenth National Independence Day Act, Veterans Burn Pits Relief, the Semiconductor Chip Bill, approving Sweden and Finland admittance into NATO, the Health, Climate, and Tax Bill, and so many more. I can go on, There's, there's actually more, but I just wanted to give our listeners a little synopsis of what this man has accomplished with a very, very slim, it's not even a majority, it's 50-50. If it wasn't for Vice President Harris, none of these things would have passed. So why, in your opinion, do you think, in spite of all of those things I've just enumerated, his approval ratings are so low? Why?
1: I think it's it's just we're in such a cynical society right now, or I don't know if we're ever going to have a day where a president, at least in the near future, where a president is going to have an approval rating above 50%. I think there's people even among the base of the president's own supporters, whether it's a Republican or Democrat, are going to say, I wish that person would be doing more. Mm -hmm. So I... It's interesting to see how 2022 plays out because as you said even though Biden's approval numbers are low I still don't necessarily think that those people who disapprove of him are going to automatically go and vote Republicans I no. think still well, I hope not A lot of them are still very much against what the Republicans are for and will probably still end up voting for Democrats I just think a lot of people just see chaos of what's happening right now and they're just thinking well I don't like whoever is the president right now things are chaotic things aren't going well you know it's just i think the symptom of being a very cynical society sometimes when it comes to politics at least uh, at least what i kind of think of why his numbers are still down even though as he said it's it's a miracle he's accomplished all that stuff with bare majorities i mean there's no way republicans would be able to do that with bare majorities when they have that crazy loon caucus you know led by you know marjorie taylor green lauren boebert and others so, oh my goodness yeah yeah so i mean democrats should get more credit for getting done what they've done with slim majorities because you have to have everyone on board and we've seen how uh, tough that can be for both parties to do especially republicans
0: i have an opinion and maybe you can either add to it agree disagree i'm thinking people don't it's not that they don't like President Biden. I just don't think when they asked, do you want him to run again? They say no. Democrats right. say no. And I, I, I'm going to give you the reason I think is because he's too old. And I don't want to be an ageist because I'm 62 years old myself. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty compass mentis myself. But and, and, and you know, he looks much healthier than Trump does. I mean, he, at least Trump doesn't need help to go down a ramp. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, am just yeah. I'm just telling you and he doesn't need another hand to lift his glass to drink water, you know. But um, what do you think of that? Uh, do you think that's the reason basically that Democrats are skeptical about him running again because of his age?
1: Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. Yeah. Just the whole idea that he's old. And if you look at Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they're not Eight, exactly she's 80.
0: Yeah. And I don't know what how old is um, Chuck? He's got to be in his at least mid 60s, I would think. Have to look it up. No, I'm going higher. You think he's higher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go I might a be higher. optimistic on Chuck Because I'm 62, part. and I know he's older than me. So <laughs> yeah, because he was my senator when I lived in New York. Oh, you're right. He's got to be in his 70s. I now. met him when he first won. Mm-hmm. So that's back in the day, and he was older than me then. So I'm, I still think he's older than yeah, me. Yeah, he's probably in his <laughs> 70s. So I think you might be onto something there, where
1: people say, "Yeah, well, I, you know, th- I
0: think we need." That's I don't like why...
1: Republicans, but these guys are all so old, and you know. Uh, Think of, like, their own parents or grandparents thinking, well, I see what a vulnerable state they can be in
0: sometimes. You uh-huh. know, when you get to an older age, I don't want that type of person in office. Yeah, yeah. And it, and not because I'm LGBT. And Please don't – I hope my listeners – I keep saying this over and over. I like Pete Buttigieg not because he's LGBT. I people like, say, oh, you like him because he's, he's a gay man. Okay, no. Because if he was, uh, like – you know, didn't believe in abortion, and he didn't want to help the poor and all this stuff. I wouldn't support him. I like him, his intelligence. I like the fact that he's young. I'm an older guy, and I look at him and I go. And he was in the military, so they can't get him on that. That he was, you know, he didn't go fight in the, in, you know, in Afghanistan. So. Um, uh, uh, and there are a lot of other like Gavin Newsom, like we were mentioning before. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy. I mean, he, why not him step up? You know, he, he step up, or a uh, better O'Rourke. But he's he's got enough trouble down in yes. Texas right now. So, um, what do you again? Don't you think that age is a little bit of a factor uh-huh. sometimes? I think
1: so, and yeah, at least. Being someone who hasn't been in Washington for years and years. like mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy if you think about who's been the Democratic nominee for president. I think it's always been a senator for like the past 30 years. It's never been someone who's not been a senator.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably going back to Bill Clinton now. I think Other about, than Donald Trump, though. Yeah. The well, I'm going just on thing. the Democratic side. Yeah. Oh, on the Re- Democratic Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Republicans are a little better at uh, nominating non-senators. Not that they're necessarily good candidates. Or We well, had a I'm,
0: governor run. Um, yeah. Clinton was a governor yeah um, yeah who else um
1: yeah I think Bill Clinton was the last Democratic nominee we had that wasn't a senator and I think that goes to your point where you know generally people who are senators are going to be older people who you know are getting up there in years and people sometimes yeah maybe just want a fresh face uh, in Washington or in the White House so
0: because the old the old thought when I was growing up is that you know senators are legislators. And governors are in the executive branch; they're much more in charge of everything, and that's why governors were always looked upon as, you know, presidential material rather than senators. But lately, we've uh, our senators are the ones stepping ahead and, Mm -hmm. you know, making making a stand. um, Which is see how times are changing. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think you might be onto something there with the yeah. idea of uh, just age and too much Washington experience, where you know yeah, people yeah. have soured so much on Washington. Yeah, they might just want someone. We want somebody else in there that you yeah, know is yeah. not connected to Washington.
0: Well, you know what, um, Brett? It's been such a pleasure having you yeah, on fun. on the Downright Upright show. I am so uh, uh, first of all, uh, you know, full disclosure. You've been helping my podcast since its inception, since episode one, when I talked about myself. And uh, uh, now this is episode nine, and it's moving along really well. And I have you to thank. And um, I love to pick your brain. And if you ever want to do this again, we could talk about other things. Uh I would love it because you are just like a plethora of information. I mean, I, I learned so much today, I can't begin to tell you. So thank you for coming yeah, on Yeah, no show. problem.
1: It's been fun, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And um, for more about um, Brett... Obviously, just come to AM nine fifty uh, website, and uh, he'll. I'm sure some of your shows will pop up there. Uh, from oh yeah, time I still have time. the
1: archives of my shows on there, and yeah, he'll be able to catch me on Matt's show as well, or yeah. others. Yeah, that's I, I, that's where I heard
0: you yesterday. Yeah, on yeah. Matt, that's I'm, why I called you. Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm on some of the weekend shows too. So if you, you listen to anything on AM nine fifty, you'll, you'll probably hear my voice at some point.
0: <laughs> good, 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 and. Um, To our listeners, we want to thank you for spending time with us today. And please stay tuned for more of the Downright Upright show in the future. And ciao for now. Bye now, Chad. Thank you. uh, uh, Chad. I'm calling you Chad. (laughs) Thank you, Chad, for giving me this opportunity. That's what I meant to say. That's a recovery right there. There we go. And thank you, Brett, again. (laughs) Take care. Thank you. Bye.